Man, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I hope you've come expecting God to minister, to speak to your heart, as well as you come to offer him your very heart and life this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Have you ever gone through a time of life where you go through a lot of difficulties? You ever gone through a time of life where you've gone through a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of confusion? And even though you're in the middle of this process of pain, heartache, and confusion, difficulties, you're praying because you are a child of God. If you've been born again by the Spirit of the living God, you're praying, but God doesn't seem to answer you. And so in the midst of what you're going through, as a child of God, you've got hurt, you've got confusion, you don't have answers, God seems to be silent. And you begin to wonder, has God abandoned me? Anybody ever felt that way besides me? Because sometimes, even as a Christian, you can sense the idea that he may have abandoned you. Now, he never does leave you nor forsake you if you're a child of God. As the video clip said, nothing can separate you from the love of God. But listen to me. You can never be separated from the love of God, but you can forfeit the leading of God in your life it's not automatic and sometimes when you go through difficulties and you go through hardship and you go through things that are confusing you begin to wonder God what's going on and so we come to church and we 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 want God to work we want God to minister and, and we are excited truly and we exalt him and praise and worship but but we still don't seem to connect the dots sometimes about what's going on in my life. Why am I dealing with all that I'm dealing with? As someone once said, it says, you are either in a storm, you are coming out of a storm, or you are headed to a storm. Do you see the progression? It is one after another after another. When you get through this one, get ready. There's another one coming behind it. When you get through the next one, get ready. There's another one coming behind it. Because God works in your life and my life in a process to make us into what he wants us to be. And he works in our life through a process to bring us to a point where we love him completely. We trust him explicitly. We obey him instantaneously. Love, obedience, and trust. That's what God is working for. He's after in your life and mine. And the process that he does this is a process that is known as brokenness. And brokenness is not a popular topic because we want to just think everything is good and nice and sweet. But we don't realize that as a child of God, all of us have the same purpose unto him. And that is to love him, trust him, obey him. And it's through brokenness that this gets worked out in your life and my life as well. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 beginning with verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. This is the Apostle Paul, the man God used more than anybody else in the New Testament. He wrote 13 books. God raised him up, radically saved him, and he worked in his life. And he said, I've got an issue 
that just won't go away. I've got a thorn in the flesh. And look what it says. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. I prayed three times. It wasn't three specific prayers. He had three seasons of praying. I sought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, well, that's a big therefore. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. He said, I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. See, if you don't understand it's for Christ's sake, nothing ever makes sense. You keep saying, I'm after the American dream. I think I've got the American dream. But all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled out from under me. It's not about the American dream. It's about the glory of God. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the power of God working in your life, my life, this church's life. Whereby we exalt, we reflect, we magnify Him. And it says, that Christ's power may rest upon me, that I take pleasure, for when I am weak, then I am strong we think just the opposite don't it we think when everything is going on and everything is going good and i've got it going together and i'm walking in harmony with the holy spirit of god now god can really use me but here's what the bible says when you're in the difficulties when you're in the hardship when you're in the in the barren seasons of life as you understand and as you look to him as your lord and savior realize that's when god works in you and you don't even realize it and that's the point you see god works in our lives for his glory not ours you see, as long as we got stuff going on and we think we're just all that, we completely miss it. A, a friend of mine, his son works in Washington, D.C. He works for the, one of the government agencies, uh, uh, Fuel Energy, I can't remember what it was. But, but a couple of years ago, he sent out this text. And it said, if you want to feed the poor, if you want to help the homeless, do it. But he said, if you post it, as soon as you post it on social media, it's not about them, it's about you. I thought, absolutely. And we do all this stuff, and we post it, because it's not about the glory of God. It's about, look how good I am. See? So we got to be very cautious of what we do and drawing attention to what we did and what we are, because who's doing it? Flesh is. Flesh, and flesh looks pretty good. My flesh looks better than your flesh. Not really. Not really. Too many scars and everything else on my face. But, anyway. but, see, 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 but we got this idea that, that, look at me. But God says, no. Look at him. And so, so, so what, there's got to be a place in your Christian life where you come to understand God is working 
in you. He is working on your behalf. Yes, he's trying to get you fit for glory. He's trying to prepare us. But hear me, he has customized in your life, he has customized in my life certain activities, certain things that will bring me to an end whereby I look to him and I love him completely, I trust him completely, and I obey him completely. That's what he's trying to work out in our life. And it comes through brokenness. See, see, God works as a refiner's fire. You take that precious silver or gold in its raw form and you put it in that hot cauldron and it gets hotter and hotter and all of a sudden the dross starts to come to the top and when that dross comes to the top the refiner he takes a skimmer and he skims it off do you know what he does next he heats it up hotter and hotter and hotter and more of that dross more of that impurity more of that which is not pure it comes to the top and then he takes that refiner skimmer and he skims it off that's what God's doing in your life that's what he's doing in my life is it fun no no but man the end result's glorious you, you look at the at the refiner what he does you look at the metal polisher he will he will take that 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 metal and he will take an abrasive and he will start to polish and he will start to rub why because he is again polishing whereby he can see his own reflection in that metal you take that that that, that lapidary who, who is going to take that precious stone that diamond and he starts to look at it at every side and every angle and then he takes the chisel and he lays it right at the right spot and he takes a hammer and he brings it down and he cuts that that, that stone and it comes out a beautiful diamond with all the facets and it reflects the very glory of what it was birthed for. And that's what God's doing in your life. See, this is why hardships come. This is why difficulties come. This is why disappointments come into our life many times because God is at work. And see, so many times we don't understand this because we think it just should be happy ever after. And we think we should never have any problems. And we think we should never have any trials. But if you become a student of the Word of God, you're going to understand it goes from one to the next to the next. And then when God brings forth those moments of glory, when God moves in His body in a mighty way, it is amazing what He does because He has prepared us as a prepared people to accept and enter into the presence of God. See, 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 God says, I'm trying to work brokenness in your life where you love me, where you trust me, where you obey me. I'm trying to work brokenness in your life and brokenness is a process it is not an event see we want to think it's one and done right that's not the way life is is it brokenness is a process it's not an event you see see why is it that way because we're slow we're slow learners That's why when you go to school, you get the lessons repeated over and over and over because repetition is a means with which we learn. That's why God teaches us the lessons over and over and over because what happens is we soon forget and we drift back the way things may have been. And God said, I need to teach you these things. And so here's here's one way God starts to work the brokenness process in your life, in my life, in everybody's life. He starts to strip us. He strips us of things that we trust in more than him. He strips us of things that we may love more than him. He strips us of even relationships 
that sometimes are more important to us than our relationship to him. Because we tend to rely on these things. See, see, Shar and I had been at East Tennessee for 26 years. And when we came here, there was a stripping process that took place in our life. And it was all God-initiated. But see, I had 26 years of trust established. I had 26 years of relationships established. You don't get that in a year. You understand that? And so so there was a stripping away. Whenever there's a shift that goes on, there's a stripping in your life. And yes, it is not pleasant. And yes, it's not all fun. But God says, hey, I've got this. I'm in control because I want you to trust in me more than you trust and rely upon anybody else. And so God says, sometimes I'm going to strip you in the area of your career or in the area of your employment. Sometimes I'm going to strip you in the area of financial assets and things like that. Sometimes God says, I'm going to strip you from where you live, maybe the neighborhood that you live in. It could be, as I said, the church that you were a part of because God says, I am working in your life for greater good and for my glory. Do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament, that young man that God put his hand on as a youth? God raised him up. God gave him dreams. He saw things that nobody else saw and he shared what he saw. He shared the vision. He shared the dreams God put in his heart and then look what happened to him. He was sold out by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold to Midianite traders. He was sold out of Egypt to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He stood true to the word of God, to his relationship to Almighty God. He said no in that situation. He was lying about it. He was falsely accused. He was put in prison. And he was right where God wanted him. Why do bad things happen to us, preacher? Listen! <laughs> because God is working And it says in Psalm, I can't remember what it is, 150. It says, and when the word of God had tried Joseph, it brought him forth. See, see, guys, you got to let the word of God try you. What does that mean, let the word of God try me? Well, you quit saying, well, that Bible, I might say that, but, but I just don't believe that. You start dealing with what the word says. You start letting the word resonate inside your soul. See, God has a plan. Four times in the New Testament, you're going to find this phrase. This is the will of God for you. John chapter 6, verse 40. Being born again. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, this is the will of God for you. You want to hear God speak? Stand up, read John six forty out loud. You just heard God speak through a human voice. This is the will of God for you, being born again. First, second Thessalonians, I forget what the verse is, chapter 2, it says, This is the will of God for you. Abstain from wrong sexual relationships. Abstain from immoral sexual behavior. That's the will of God. Extramarital, premarital, homosexual. The will of God says abstain from immoral sexual relationships. That's the universal will of God. Everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white. It doesn't matter. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 18. This is the will of God. 
you give thanks in every situation. You see, 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 I mean, you got three right there. This is the will of God. Number four. First Peter, second Peter chapter two. This is the will of God that you submit yourself to governing authorities. You submit yourself to do what's right. I think it's over 15, 16. See, four times in the Bible, you've got this phrase. This is the will of God. Believe, be born again. Abstain from immoral sexual relationships. Give thanks in all things. And submission, bags, B-A-G-S, simple way to remember it. Now, these four wills of God, they work as guardrails in your life. I'm seeking to work and to walk in the way God would have me to walk. So, am I in the guardrails? Or am I not truly born again? Am I not abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I involved in an illicit sexual relationship that is not scriptural, which means man and woman married? Am I not giving thanks in all circumstances? Am I not submitting to governing authorities? Am I not submitting to the Word of God? See, see, these are guardrails. Now, if we don't get the guardrails, if, if, we, if we're banging against the guardrails or we're outside the guardrail, God never leaves us. He always loves us, but he's not leading us. Because you chose to step outside the will of God and you chose to stay there. Now, hear me. Joseph knew the Word of God. He knew what God had placed in his heart. And yet he went through difficulty, trial, hardship, heartache, prison, separation from his family, isolation from everybody that he loved, knew, and cared about. Why? Because God says, I am going to take you and I'm going to strip you of your self-confidence. I'm going to strip you of being your father's favorite son. I'm going to strip you of this moment because I've got things under control and it's going to be tremendous in the end. Because we don't know when the end's coming, do we? We don't know how long it's going to take. But, but, but God says, here's what I want you to understand. You've got to trust me. And you've got to realize that part of my process in our lives in breaking us is to bring us to the end of ourselves. John 15, 5 says, without me, you can do nothing. I can preach without him. You can sing without him. You can go out here and knock on a door, hand out tracts without him. But you're just doing this in the flesh. And it has no eternal impact. It has no significance for all eternity. But when you are abiding in Christ, when you are living pure unto God, when you are giving thanks from the heart, when you are submitting yourself to the word, the will, the way of God, God says, it's all different because now you've got yourself in a position where I'm going to touch those words that you say and I'm going to touch that water that you give and I'm going to touch that song that you sing and it's going to be altogether different. But he says, I bring you through this process because I'm trying to get you to the end of where you are. And so sometimes we go through suffering. Sometimes we go through sickness. Sometimes we go through betrayal. Sometimes we go through slander. Sometimes we have death, persecution, job loss. But God says, I've still got it under control. You can trust me. You can look to me. I have got you right where I want you because I'm making you into the vessel I want you to believe. 
to be. So it's a process. And when we get through this process, I hope we take a step up and we start another process. And when we get through that process, I hope we take a step up. It's like steps going up. And we keep moving in the way God would have us to move. So you got to learn life lessons, right? How many of y'all have learned more from your successes than your mistakes? Well, most of us learn from our mistakes and not from our successes. Because, you see, when we, when we, we take successes, and you know what it works in us? Pride. Look what I accomplished. Look what I did. There's a story that where, where God told a man to, to go out in his backyard, and, and there's this massive boulder, this massive rock. And he said, I want you to go out there, and I want you to push that rock. And so the man goes out there every day. He's faithfully out there. He puts his shoulder to it. He puts his hands, his palms, his fingers pushing, pressing on this rock. And he's pressing on this rock. And he's been doing this for weeks. He's been doing this for months. He does it for a year. He does it for two years. Finally, one day in frustration, he says, God, I don't understand. It's not moving. God said, I never told you to move it. I told you to push it. He said, look at your hands, they're calloused. Look at your arms, they're strong. Look at what I've done for you in the process. I have made you into a mighty man. I've made you into a mighty woman. No, you're not seeing the rock move because you can't move the rock. But you do what I say. You get there and you push as I tell you to push. And you leave the results to me because I'm working on your life. And what you will be. And so, so, so God says, I, I bring into your life these things and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you brokenness. And, and sometimes God breaks us by his word. Have you ever realized that? Does the word of God ever pierce your heart? I hope so. I mean, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the word of God is sharp as a two-edged sword. It's not a lollipop that you lick and say, boy, this is really good. I mean, you might find occasionally that moment. But you know what the Bible says about the Word of God? The Bible says about the Word of God in Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire? It says, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And so, so you've got three things God says about his word. He says it's a fire, it's a hammer, and it's a sword. It's a fire. See, see, when the word of God is set forth under the anointing of God, it, it does something in you. It starts a burning inside you. When the word of God is set forth under the anointing of the spirit of God, it can bring brokenness. It crushes. That's what a hammer does. You keep beating it down on the same rock, there's going to be a crack, right? It's like a sword. It pierces your life. But I just want it to be fun. Then you'll have to go to Joel Osteen because it ain't going to happen here. Because listen to me. You better get serious about what the Word of God says. The Word of God says it is sharp. It is powerful. It is like a hammer. It is like a fire. And here's what happens. People sit under the Word of God. It starts to disturb their heart. They say, I don't understand it. I don't like that. That preacher's crazy. I'm going to go somewhere else. Because the convicting power of God, listen to me, 
How can it not be convicting if it's a fire? How can it not be convicting if it's a hammer? How can it not be convicting if it's a sword? The convicting power of God starts to work in a person's life. And what happens is people will get right or they get out. Because you've got to understand, here's what the Word of God says. It's not a lollipop. It is a powerful, it is what God uses to bring about brokenness in your life and my life. Because when I have to line my life up with what his word says, that's where the struggle comes in. It's easier to ignore it. When Simon Peter, he denied Jesus Christ three times. It says when the rooster crowed, it says he remembered. What did he remember? He remembered the word of God. And he went out and he went bitterly. And there's going to be moments in your life where maybe you're on the verge, on the moment of doing something you should not do. You're going to remember by the quickening of the spirit of God what God has said. Then what will you do? And if you do the act then you still remember and the conviction and like Simon he went out and he wept because he knew he had denied his savior he knew he denied what what God said I was 13 14 years old sitting in a church service not a big church probably about these two pew sections here a lady got up a younger woman she goes over to an older lady in the church, the matriarch of the church. And the younger lady asks forgiveness of the older lady. I'm 13, 14 years old watching this from the back. And the older lady turns her back on that younger woman. And refuses forgiveness. Refuses mercy to her. Why? Why? Why do we do that? Why would we act that way? Because we are hardened to God. We're indifferent. And we still sing the songs. We still say grace before the meals. But at some point, you've got to apply the word of God to your life personally. And you've got to yield in response to what God's word says. See, brokenness is a continual process. But brokenness, as you also know, it is painful. By the very nature of it, you understand that brokenness, it means hurt. It means discomfort. It means pain inside our life. Paul said, a messenger of Satan has debilitating. It's painful. It's inconvenient. I don't understand all the ways of God. Do you? And the Bible says his ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his ways. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And so God, he looks from eternity down and he sees all of eternity. He sees the future, the present, the past, all at the same time. That's God. I can't do that. I live in time. I live in the present moment. But God sees it all and he knows what he's lurk, working for. And so as he sees this, he, he, he works and he doesn't have to answer to me. Now, I like it when he does give me an understanding, but he doesn't have to. And, and what I found is many times when I don't have an understanding of a word of God, it's not the word's problem, it's Mark's problem. See, now I've got to get to the place where, where I understand. But, but God says he used Satan to buffet Paul. See, 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 these are the methods that sometimes God can allow Satan. See, see God is all powerful. And, and everything that comes into your life or my life, it goes through the permissive will of God. Does it mean God did everything? No. But he allowed Satan here to buffet Paul. He gave him a thorn in the flesh. 
And the point was, it was going to bring him to that point of brokenness where he continually trusted God. He continually obeyed God. He continually loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so, so God says, even Satan is my pawn. He does, and he don't even know he's doing to work for my glory and my good. Sometimes sin works that way to bring us to brokenness. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba? Sin was in their life. They got out of the guardrails, right? Sin came into their life, and the baby even died, it says. But God worked in this life, and he raised up Nathan to confront David, but it was all because of sin. Sometimes suffering is how God works to bring brokenness. Remember Job? We talked about him last week. Suffering comes into his life, and he was probably the most righteous man that ever lived. Sometimes it's just through the spoken word of God. As Nathan looked at David and said, you're the man. The spoken word of God, it it brought the king to his knees. It brought the king to brokenness where he realized he he could no longer hide this. He had to deal with his problem. And and sometimes, again, there's this stripping effect where God starts removing things from your life. Remember Abraham? God said, get up and leave. Get everything you own in the back of a camel and take off. And I will tell you when you get there. How do we like those directions? We don't. But he started stripping him of the place he lived in. He stripped him of things. He stripped him of all kinds of things. Because God says, I want you to rely upon me more than you rely upon anybody. I want you to love me more than you love anybody. I want you to receive your identity from your relationship with me and not from your job and not from your mom and dad's last name. I want you to understand nothing can be placed in front of me. I don't want you holding anything more valuable, more dear than me. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because God says, we're talking about eternity now. Everything in eternity is based on how we respond to God right now. And God says, I've used this process to make you so that you will reflect me, so that you will be the most useful to my kingdom. Sometimes God uses silence to get our attention, right? God ever been quiet in your life for a long season? Moses, it's 40 years. What about that? I don't think I could stand 40 years. What do you think? 40 years, he's on the backside of a desert because he chose to suffer with the Hebrews, his people, rather than receive the glories and the rewards of Egypt, present tense. He chose And then God was silent. Sometimes we come to decisions in life and we've got to make a choice. Is it this way I go? Is it that way I go? And and when we're sitting there, God, I I, I need to hear from you. I need to to make the right decision because we know our wisdom is inadequate. And all we can do is just lay it before God and say, God, whatever. And then you examine your life. Am I in the guardrails? Because if you're not in the guardrails, he loves you, but he's not going to lead you. Because you've got a deal to get back in the guardrails. God, am I abiding in you? Am I giving you time, attention? God, am I I thankful? Not saying I enjoy everything like it, but God, am I going to thank? Because, Lord, you're working things. I don't understand it, but even through this, you're working things for your glory. God, am am I in submission to the spiritual authority? Am I in submission to your word? Am I living pure? See, see, we get ourselves because we say, Lord, Lord, I want to know your way. And, and we know our reasoning is inadequate. 
Anybody ever had car fever? What's that like? We start reasoning all the reasons why, correct? I mean, it's a lot cheaper to buy a $5 bottle of new car smell and just spray your car up. <laughs> but we, but we, we start reading, and it just fills our mind, right? And, and we just can't get our thoughts off of this. And, and our reasoning, it starts looking like Mark and what Mark wants and Mark's desires. And, and as George Mueller said, you've got to get yourself to the place where you have no will of your own. God is that an easy place to get to no that's why it's a process that God takes us through and he works our life with hardship and difficulty and hopefully we learn every lesson along the way but if we don't guess what we get to repeat the lesson and there's plenty of lessons that we don't need to repeat many but we do and so so I said learn the lessons and so understand when I'm silent You've got to still stay close. You've got to still stay in the position whereby when I speak, I can hear you. God called me to preach when I was 14 years old. I said no. When I was about 18 years old, I finally said, yes, Lord. My mother was diagnosed with cancer when I was 19 or 20. I was in college right before finals. I get a phone call that said, your mom's got cancer and all the story goes like that. That did not take my mother's life. She lived another 30 years beyond that. But it was a pretty traumatic moment. I can remember that. And so, so what happens is, is you, you start processing God. And I can remember driving in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. I was on the Beltway in a 1970 Maverick just cruising down that little old, the, the belt, not a Beltway, the Beltline is what it was called because it was right by the canal. And, and I said, Lord, if you take my mother, I'm sure going to miss her, but it's got to be whatever your will is. I can remember where I was as a 19, 20-year-old boy. And God started to speak to be real. This is how life is. Our first pastor, we went to West Union, West Virginia. Population for the county, 7,000. Nowhere. Not a good career move. Storefront building. We moved. 400 miles away from everybody we knew, loved, and cared about. Isolated. Stripping. I wouldn't have done that. That's the way God works. Because I don't want you depending on anybody more than me. I don't want you trusting anybody more than me I want you in a place where you have to and he will get you there and you look and say okay God and I'll be honest I graduated seminary and grad school and four years in this small little isolated place is where God taught me to pray and he taught me how to preach Why? Because I had to trust him. And then, like I said, 26 years in one place and we come here, we get stripped again. Why? I thought all that happens when you're young. No, it gets more intense the older you get. Because God says, I'm still working on you. And I know Mark. Mark's got a lot of work. 
all right? And so he says, I'm working on you. And so the process that God does, he says, for brokenness is this is what I'm going to touch your life right now. Now, now listen to this. I, I, I read this a while back, and uh, I copied it. It said, there's a biblical cycle that a person goes through to meet the Lord Jesus in revival. It begins with brokenness. Recognizing our need for God and grieving over the things we've done that God hates. Godly sorrow, the scripture tells us, produces repentance in our lives. And when a person repents, they forsake their sin. Repentance involves change. There's no way we can make a 180-degree turn to embrace something new until we let go of our old sinful attitudes and behaviors. Genuine repentance leads to forgiveness. The end result of agreeing with God about our sins is a fresh new cleansing in our lives. If we confess, God is faithful to forgive, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So repentance leads us to a new understanding of the depths of God's forgiveness. And that leads to new freedom in a person's life. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the natural overflow of freedom. Freedom is genuine worship, but it doesn't end there because worship always leads us to a deeper level of brokenness in our lives. So God takes us through the cycle continuously beginning with brokenness. You're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're headed to another storm because God says, I'm working on you. You're a person of value. You're a person of influence. You're a person with which I'm going to rest my glory on. I'm going to put my grace in. I'm going to show my mercy to, and I'm going to raise you up and you're going to impact your world for the kingdom of God it all starts when God starts to disturb us our comfort zone when God starts to work in us and we start realizing God there's so much more show me how to get there oh God it hurts and God says I love you and because I love you and I love your kids and I love your spouse and I love your family, and I love your neighborhood. I'm working in your life to raise you up to live out of brokenness. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. Anybody going through some hard stuff? Because God says it's through this stuff that I'm trying to work to let you realize it's not about this life, it's about the next. And I'm trying to teach you to live dependent upon my son, Jesus, day by day, moment by moment. But here's the key. In these situations, you and I, we each get to choose how we respond back to God. We can make adjustments of our life to his word, his will. Or we can say, I ain't doing that. And then we prolong the process even more. God wants to work in this church in a way that it just doesn't shake this church. It shakes this community for his kingdom and his glory. But it starts with us being able to say, yes, Lord. Whatever. I don't understand. I don't like the way I feel. But God, I trust you. Father, I thank you.
that you loved us so much that you didn't leave us. You're still working on us, making us, Father, to men and women, young men, young women, boys and girls, Father, faith. God, help us to learn the lessons. Help us to trust you. And God, when your word comes as a fire, when your word comes as a hammer, when your word comes as a sword, Lord, help us to realize, thank you, you're speaking to me. But let us respond. Let's stand together. We'll sing the invitation. The altar's open. If you're lost, we ask you to come. We can show you how to be saved.